Today is Monday, July the 18th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, talking season is upon us as SEC Media Days begins in Atlanta, Georgia. I will give my full SEC Media Days preview, including my picks for the SEC season, including my East West and overall champion. Also, as Shane Beamer, Jovan Gwynn, DeCarion Joyner, and Zach Pickens embark on Atlanta, Georgia tomorrow, I'll list my top five questions I'd ask Shane Beamer at SEC Media Days and what I most want to hear the Gamecocks head coach address. Also, guys, really exciting on today's show. We begin the 2022 opponent preview series. Of course, today we are talking the Gamecocks week one opponent, the Georgia State Panthers. Guys, I'll break down the Panthers in their entirety. We'll talk the last meeting between the two teams, the all-time series record, their 2021 record. Also, of course, their head coach, how they fared a season ago, best returning players on offense and defense. And I'll give my overall outlook for Georgia State and that ball game as well. Also, guys, your listener questions. We have got a packed show for you here on this Monday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app. Go to SeatGeek.com. And when you do, use the promo code SPURSUP to get $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. Guys, whatever you need tickets to, they have got it, whether it be Gamecock sporting events, concerts, comedy club events. Again, you name it, they got it. Also, they've got what's called a deal score. So when you go on their app, you go to their website, they're going to tell you exactly where you're sitting, how much you're paying. So you know you're getting the absolute best bang for your buck and you have all the confidence you need when you click that buy button. So again, guys, it's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. And when you do, use the promo code SPURSUP. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's S-P-R-S-U-P to save $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. Let's get it. In 22 college football season has unofficially officially begun as coaches and players embark on Atlanta, Georgia this week for SEC Media Days, a time that the HBC used to like to refer to as talking season. And fans will be hanging on every single word from their favorite players and coaches. This week, folks, happy Monday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show. As always, we have got a packed show for you, a lot to get into. And again, guys, SEC Media Days 
is here. I don't know about you guys, but this is a time of year I absolutely love where we get to hear from each and every single coach. And it really does feel like this week, you know, we've been starving for football all off season long. Yours truly been not trying to do his best to create content and, and keep the football juices flowing. But this week, this week, things really get going. Shane Beamer, Zach Pickens, Dak Joyner, Jovan Gwynn embarking on Atlanta tomorrow, literally speaking in Atlanta tomorrow. And it's really that first indication, right? That first indicator that football is just around the corner. And it really is. As we sit now just 47 days away until toe meets leather, at williams Bryce Stadium. Guys, we got SEC Media Days this week. We got fall camp in a few weeks. And before you know it, we're all going to be back in williams Bryce Stadium together once again, enjoying something we love so dearly, which is Gamecocks football. Again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Hope you had a fantastic weekend, and I hope this show just finds you no matter where you are, what you are doing. Um, I want to say thank you all, of course, man, for rolling with the punches of the last week. Obviously, things have been crazy with uh, yours truly going through a move and getting settled in the new studio. And on that note, that gets us into our housekeeping items. Guys, this is the first ever piece of content made in the new studio, whether it be podcast, live show, video, anything. This is the first piece of content ever created in the new stew. And I'm extremely happy with the place, man. The vibes are immaculate. I'm loving the spot. And if you hear a little bit of an echo, by the way, it's because I'm still getting unpacked. The memorabilia and stuff is not hung up yet to the room. I don't want to say it's empty because there's a lot of stuff on the floor right now that's looking at me that needs to be hung up. But the room is incredible, man. It's a huge upgrade for the studio. And, and I will say this because I – I went back and forth on this, guys, because I'll be completely transparent with you. You know, when you do what I do, and I live my entire life on social media, right? I, I live my entire life on a public platform. And that's something I think when you do what I do, you agree to do that, right? Because you're making content, you're making video, you're doing all kinds of things. So there are certain things in regards to privacy that you kind of give up, especially, like I said, when you make the amount of content that we make. Like you guys know my day-to-day -day life, kind of what I'm doing, where I'm at, because you see me, you see videos, you see clips. We talk about it, all that good stuff. We have open dialogue. There are some things that I feel like I'm like, you know what, there are obviously things you guys don't hear or see because, of course, I have a personal life, I have a private life, and that there is a healthy balance, and you need that healthy balance whenever you're doing what I do. However, with that being said, you know, I, I kept tight lips in regards to where we were going and what the move was, what the next move was for the Spurs Up show, and I probably won't be rolling out some big announcement video or some announcement on social media and making a bigger deal of it than need be. But um, you guys are obviously going to find out sooner rather than later. So I feel like instead of letting y'all find out slowly, but surely I would go ahead and let you all know again, we are in the new studio. The question is, where is the new studio located? Well, I am very happy and proud to announce guys. We have taken the show on the road and the headquarters of TSUS is now Greenville, South Carolina, the upstate. I know it's crazy. You can't believe it, but we have taken the show, man. I have relocated to the upstate, leaving Columbia after three years, after three fantastic years, living down there right in the middle of the action, right down the road from Wiggins-Brice Stadium in between Willie B and Founders Park, and made the decision, man, probably a couple of weeks ago. And again, I just have not said anything, but that's where we're at currently. And like I said, you guys are going to see me recording content, shooting video, all that good stuff. You're going to be like, hey, Chris is obviously in Greenville. So I figured we'd go ahead, get it out of the way. And I tell you guys, and without going into too much detail, because I'm sure there'll be plenty of questions and I'll answer those whenever you guys ask. But um, it, it really just came back to personal and professional growth, business growth. Um, I know a lot of people look at the business and look at what I do and say, Chris, well, it just makes sense. You should be in Columbia. And to those people, I would say you need to really understand the landscape of what I do and actually how unnecessary it is that I am located right there in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, there's other personal opportunities, other business opportunities. Of course, guys, I'm still doing TSUS the exact same as always, the exact same doing it full fledged. 
If anything, I think without a doubt, and I know without a doubt, this is going to enhance business. Uh, again, there's conversations to be had outside of Columbia, South Carolina. I've got a lot of love for Cola Man. I love the city of Columbia, but I just felt like for personal growth, professional growth, I'm going through an evolution as a person. I'm going through an evolution as a business owner. Uh, this move not only, and this change not only felt um, something I wanted, but it felt necessary. I mean, it really felt necessary. And I'm someone, if you guys have been following long enough, man, I'm someone that I, I don't believe in change for the sake of change, but I do believe in evolving. And I do believe in pushing yourself and, and broadening your horizons and, and pushing yourself to levels where you even get a little bit uncomfortable and you make yourself, you know, adapt and change and evolve. And, you know, I've seen a lot of positives from that in my life. So again, this is something I'm really excited about. Again, I'm already loving the spot. I'm loving the space, I'm loving the city thus far. And uh, so all the Greenville Gamecocks, man, you guys show me a ton of love and you guys show me a bunch of love last fall. We came to the Carolina Ale House location in downtown Greenville. And uh, obviously we'll be back there, but uh, all the upstate Gamecocks, man, we're here. And again, we'll continue to rock and roll with TSUS the exact same way. I'll be at every single football game, by the way. So do not fret there. I'll be back in Columbia all the time, working on stuff like merch and being at events and, and doing all kinds of stuff. And you guys, the consumer, I'll be honest with you, you're not even going to notice that we're not there. You're not even going to notice that TSUS is not located in downtown Columbia anymore. Um, but I did want to give you guys that update because there are some changes coming. I'm going to get into just a second. The tin roof stuff, obviously, is something you might ask, well, what's going to happen to that? What's the future of that? Um, which we'll go ahead and talk about that, guys, real quick. A, an update on the live shows at Tin Roof, which I want to say thank you to Tin Roof, man, for the opportunity because it has been a game changer in regards to business and just the level of credibility that brings to the business when, you know, you got a gig at Tin Roof weekly and you're doing that, you're up on that stage and, you know, you go into Tin Roof in Columbia now and the TSUS flag is hanging up and the stickers are covering the bar and it's, you know, it, it's it's almost a surreal thing, man. It's It's really cool and the relationships I've made with, with Corey and Talon and my guy Chase and J-Mo and, and all those guys there, man, it's been absolutely incredible. Um, with that being said, guys, the 10 Roof shows will indeed be coming to an end. Um, we will have one final show, sort of a goodbye, sort of a finale um, to really put a bow on our relationship and not our relationship, but put a bow on the live gigs. There may be an opportunity. There may be an instance where we do some one-off live shows at 10 roof, but the weekly Wednesday live shows six to eight at 10 roof in downtown Columbia, those will be coming to a halt again, for obvious reasons, because I now live in Greenville, South Carolina, the final show, our plan for the final show is going to be Wednesday, August the 3rd. I will continue to remind you guys about that. We will not have a show this Wednesday. We will not have a show next Wednesday. Wednesday, August the 3rd will be the final tin roof show of our normal, regularly Wednesday shows, 6 to 8. So I'd love to have you guys come out, man. Let's do a big one time. Let's do it up one time. One last hurrah at the tin roof. And again, man, I just can't say thank you enough to those guys. And we'll talk about that more as we get closer to it. But I know the questions now would you know come to, okay, Chris, you live in Greenville. Are you still going to do your tin roof show? And the answer is no. And, uh, you know, here, here's the thing. I, I think it provides us a lot of opportunity to do other things with content. Hey, a live show in the upstate somewhere in downtown Greenville. I think pushing more initiatives with the Big Cock Club and doing exclusive content and exclusive live streams and, you know, just exclusive things and offerings with the Big Cock Club and just doing other things in general with content and, uh, you know, freeing up that time to work on other things. So there are positives. There's pros and cons to both. But uh, August 3rd, we will we will have our final 10 roof show at that location in downtown Columbia and really looking forward to that guys. Let's get back to content, by the way, for this week, um, the daily crow returns as normal. The podcast returns as normal, except no daily crow tomorrow. And the reason is this, I thought about sliding it to the morning. We have got a very, very big call tomorrow morning with our friends over at Carolina alehouse guys. If you cannot tell things are heating up, as we get closer to kickoff, I mean, things are really, really heating up and we got a lot of exciting things happening. With that being said, that call takes place at 10 o'clock. Okay. Um, SEC Media Days is going to be rolling starting early in the morning today, tomorrow, all throughout the week. Shane Beamer is set to make his rounds around one o'clock. I would assume if I had to guess, guys, don't hold me to it. I think he'd probably speak at like 2.30 or so in the afternoon. Okay, so it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Everybody's going to be glued to their TVs. Everybody's going to be watching SEC Media Days including yours truly. And we'll be covering it and all that good stuff. So no TDC on Tuesday. We might do a Twitter spaces later in the afternoon. Twitter spaces is definitely something, you know, shout out to the guys, USC talk and all the other Gamecock burners that have done an incredible job with that, 
that that side of social media, that might be something we jump into. We might do that at random on Tuesday. We might actually incorporate that in the future and do that more as we get closer and into the season. But no Daily Crow tomorrow. The rest of the week, we are normal. But again, stay tuned for tomorrow. We might have some special, unique content that we don't normally do in light of SEC Media Days and the Gamecocks speaking. Uh, two more things, guys, and I promise we'll get into the actual meat and potatoes of the show. Uh, really exciting week, guys, with the news of the 10 Roof Show's closing. We are beginning something new this week. That is the Carolina Alehouse Tour, which will get underway this week, Thursday. We are at our first stop, which is Somerville, South Carolina. And guys, also, I'm really excited to announce, in case you do not understand our post on social media over the weekend, we will have Beamer Ball rally towels that will be ready to go at each and every single one of the Carolina Alehouse Tour stops. We'll have those on hand and for sale. We will have koozies for sale. I mentioned the call with Carolina Alehouse tomorrow. The reason that's such a big deal, there is a very, very good chance we will have free merchandise to give away as well. Also, guys, we'll be doing a little bit of a Q&A. I'll have a microphone and a speaker. We'll be talking Gamecocks, taking questions. Everything gets going at 6 o'clock this Thursday and every single stop on the Carolina Alehouse Tour. All of the shows, all of these stops get going at 6 o'clock, and they just run until we get tired of being there. So, again, really excited. Coming out this Thursday, all my Somerville Gamecocks, I need y'all to represent and be out there this Thursday on site, on location. Again, we'll have towels, we'll have koozies, and we'll probably have free swag and free merch. And also, if you're in the Big Cock Club, I will have Big Cock Club koozies and stickers to give you all free of charge as well. Guys, one final update, and we'll dive into everything just wanted to share some good news. The season simulation series will begin July 31st. The dates are officially set. I will release a full schedule so you guys know we're playing those games. But starting July 31st, and at that start every Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we will do our season simulation series up until the bowl game finale on August the 28th. That will be the final season simulation game. And then, of course, that week we'll dive into game week. We'll dive into kickoff, all that good stuff. But, of course, the season simulation series, always a very, very popular piece of content. And I cannot wait to get that rolling. Okay. That was a lot of announcements. That was a lot of housekeeping items, guys. I do apologize, but hey, we got a lot going on. With that being said, dude, I am so fired up because it is SEC Media Days. And guys, SEC Media Days is something I've always loved. And not to get sentimental here, but I will never forget sitting there in like 2012, 13, 14, and when the Gamecocks had a, had a ton of momentum and it was really exciting. Of course, if your team's good, even when your team's not all that great, I'm not saying this about South Carolina, but any SEC fan, it's fun to tune into SEC Media Days, right? You don't have to be a fan of Georgia or Alabama or whatever. SEC Media Days is always a blast to take in because we're all starving for football, and it serves, like I said earlier, the official, unofficial, official start to the upcoming season. But I remember sitting there in like 2012, 13, 14, and we're really good, and Steve Spurrier's there, and Jadavion Clowney's there, and Connor Shaw's at Media Days. And I remember sitting there and saying to myself, one day I'm going to cover this. One day. I don't know exactly what I'm going to be doing. I don't know who I'm going to be working for. I don't know if I'll have a podcast. I don't know what I'll do. I'm going to be covering SEC Media Days in some way, shape, or form. And so I want you all to know I love SEC Media Days. I always have. And the opportunity, the fact, of course, we're doing TSUS full-time. I've been doing so since August 2019. But the fact that I have the opportunity, that we have the opportunity to take in this fantastic event and create content around it and talk about it, it is something I don't take for granted. And I feel truly fortunate and blessed to have the opportunity to do so. So again, guys, I'm really excited for it. Of course, guys, in case you did not know, of course, Shane Beamer and company will embark on Atlanta, Georgia. Tomorrow is when the Gamecocks will speak. Like I said, they will make their rounds around one o'clock or so with the media, probably speak at the big podium around 2, 2.30 or so. Just follow along on social media, guys, because these are really rough times right now. We don't know exactly when they'll speak. And you know, coaches go on the fine bomb show and they have all kinds of media availability and the players are speaking to everybody. So just stay tuned to 
social media. It will be content bleeding out the eyeballs all week and especially tomorrow. In case you missed it somehow, some way, Jovan Gwynn, Dak Joyner, and Zach Pickens will be the players that will be attending for South Carolina. And yes, you heard that right. No Spencer Rattler. I think Shane Beamer will be asked about that. And I think he will address it in a very professional way. And I think it'll be a way in we say, Oh, it makes sense when he talks about Gwen Joyner and Pickens are guys who have paid their dues. They've put in their blood, sweat, and tears in this program, and they deserve the opportunity to be rewarded for their hard work and go represent the University of South Carolina at SEC Media's. It makes sense. Again, selfishly, selfishly from the content creator perspective, am I a little bummed? I'm a little bummed, but I understand it, and I'm happy for Gwen Joyner and Pickens. Guys, with that being said, this week, not only do we hear from players and coaches, but picks are made, right? All SEC teams and the media will lock in their picks for the SEC East, the SEC West, and their overall SEC champion. So with that being said, I figured why not? I'm going to lock in my picks, my SEC picks for the East, West, and champion. I've got records for every single team. I've got predicted order of finish. So real quick, let's run through these and we'll start with the SEC West. I'll save the East for a second to build up the drama. Coming in at first, of course, I've got the Alabama Crimson Tide, guys. I think Alabama's on a revenge tour this year. They win the West. They go 12-0, 8-0 at SEC play. I think the only game I really look at that maybe they could lose, you know, at Arkansas is a tough one. Texas A&M at home. At Tennessee, maybe Bama's going to get the job done. They're pissed off for the last year. They go 12-0, 8-0. Coming in in second in the West, I do have Texas A&M. I think they have upgraded, obviously, immensely talent-wise. I think they go 10-2, 6-2 in league play. Their two losses, though, get this. I've got them losing at Alabama. I've got them losing the week before at Mississippi State in maybe the upset of the year in the SEC. I've got a three-way tie for third in the West. We're handing out eight and four records in the SEC West like it's freaking candy. I've got Arkansas at eight and four, four and four in league play. I've got LSU at eight and four and four and four in league play. And I've got Ole Miss at eight and four and four and four in league play. Again, I think it's a very competitive conference, a very competitive division. Excuse me. The SEC West, you could probably argue, is the best division in all of college football. And I think there is a three-way tie for there. And you see, there's a lot of guys that are picking that as well, the four and four SEC records amongst teams. Uh, coming in at six, because of course we have three teams tied for third. Coming in at six, try to follow along. We got Auburn. Auburn at six and six, three and five in SEC play. But I do have the Auburn Tigers Beating Arkansas and a big upset. I think Auburn's going to be a little bit better than people want to give them credit for, especially Gamecock fans. South kind of caught Auburn last year when they were terrible, but they started like six and two last year. They were pretty good. So I think Auburn, though, is six and six, three and five. And then finally in seventh, uh, I have the Mississippi State Bulldogs, five and seven, two and six in league play. But I think they close their season beating Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl in a massive upset. I think their offense goes off in that when Ole Miss can't stop anybody. I like the matchup for them, but five and seven, two and six to finish seventh in the West. Moving over to the SEC East, and I know many of you will balk at this. Many of you will disagree. I have the Georgia Bulldogs winning the SEC East. That's not the part you're going to disagree with. I have Georgia once again, the second straight year I think the dogs going undefeated. I got them 12 and 0, 8 and 0 in league play. And guys, here's the thing. If you tell me Georgia's going to lose a game, I'm not going to completely like, I'm not going to say you're crazy, right? I don't think that's a crazy prediction. And you're probably right. They probably will lose a game. My question to you is who is it to? And which team on this schedule is going to beat Georgia? I think a lot of it, honestly, I think Georgia goes 12 and 0, 8 and 0 because. Their schedule sets up. Yeah, you got a really tricky game week one against Oregon. That game's in Atlanta. That's a home game practically for UGA. Um, I do think they're going to beat the Gamecocks and Willie B. I think that serves as an opportunity for Georgia to get upset, but I think it would take a Herculean effort for the Gamecocks because it'll be early on in the season. Yes, it's at Willie B, but early on in the season, the offense probably isn't clicking that level. Georgia still has an immense talent advantage against you in the trenches. I think Georgia takes care of business. Their toughest game is against Tennessee, and that game's at home. Their second toughest game, I would say, is at Kentucky. And I don't think Kentucky's ready. I, Kentucky has not been ready, isn't ready, and probably never will be ready to beat the Georgia Bulldogs, even if the game's in Lexington. But maybe that's an upset. 
But if one of those two teams or one of those three, if Tennessee, Kentucky, or Carolina doesn't beat Georgia, who's going to do it? Missouri? Auburn? I mean, they get, they get uh, Mississippi State and Auburn from the West. I don't think Florida is going to do it. I think Georgia goes undefeated. I, I just I cannot pick against Georgia in good faith and good conscience in any of these games. Coming in in second, I do have the Tennessee Volunteers finishing 9-3, and 5-3 and three in league play. I think their three losses at LSU, Bama, and then at Georgia. I think Tennessee's a good team this year, guys. I'm not saying they're great, but that offense, Hendon Hooker, I'm a believer in Hendon Hooker. I think Josh Heifel is actually a pretty good coach for them. Um, defense is their question. But if they have a solid defense, I think Tennessee is going to actually push and challenge Georgia a little bit. I think they're the most realistic threat in the SEC East. Coming in at third, I've got South Carolina finishing eight and four and four and four in SEC play. And I've got Kentucky in fourth, by the way, eight and four, four and four. And the difference is I've got South kind of with a tiebreaker, obviously beating the Cats in Lexington on October the 8th. But even I was like, man, I'm picking Carolina to finish third in the SEC East. But like I told you guys, you already saw I locked in my predictions, eight and four, four and four in SEC play. I think Spencer Rattler's got a major chip on his shoulder. I think Clayton White in year two of the defense. I think the Gamecocks will do enough. Again, four and four in SEC play with that tiebreaker being the big one over Kentucky. And the Cats, like I mentioned, eight and four, four and four in league play. Coming in at fifth, I've got the Florida Gators, six and six, three and five in SEC play. And I will say this, I will say this. I think Florida early on could be a solid team. They face a hell of a stretch against Georgia, A&M, South Carolina. Uh, of course, they got that game at Tennessee and Knoxville early on. Week two, they've got Kentucky. I think Florida... I don't think they're going to be great by any means. I think Florida, though, will probably be better than some expect, but I do think they still fall to a 6-6 six and six and 3-5 and five record. Finishing in sixth in the SEC East, I've got the Missouri Tigers finishing 5-7, and 1-7 seven, and seven in league play. I think Mizzou's going to be bad this year. I, I just I don't like anything about Mizzou, new quarterback. I think Drinkwitz could potentially be on the hot seat. I got them starting 3-0, and oh, but uh, I think they lose three straight to Auburn, Georgia, Florida. They then beat Vandy, then they lose three more straight to South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, and they'll lose their season finale against Arkansas. So I think it'll be a rough season in Como. They finish in six. And then finally in seventh, the Vanderbilt Commodores finishing two and 10 overall and 0 and 8 in SEC play. With that being said, I like Clark Lee. It would not shock me at all if Vandy finished in sixth and Mizzou. Finish in seventh, but it's just really, really hard when you go through Vanderbilt's schedule. You're like, where do you pin in the dub? Where do you pin in the wins? Um, I think they beat Hawaii. They beat Elon, and I didn't think that's all she wrote. I, I think it's a tough season for Clark Lee and the boys, but I like what Clark Lee is doing in Nashville. Um, with that being said, guys, my SEC champion, I've got the Alabama Crimson Tide. Like I said, guys, I think Alabama's on a mission this year. I, I think they're out for blood. I think it's just going to be a typical Alabama year. I do think, of course, guys, as you heard, it's Alabama-Georgia. I think Bama will get Georgia yet again, and they will win the 2022 SEC Championship. But again, one more time, and I'll post this on social media, I got Bama in the SEC West, Bama one, A&M two, Arkansas, LSU, and Ole Miss tied for third. I've got... Uh, Auburn 6th, Mississippi State 7th. In the East, I've got Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida, Mizzou, Tennessee. Again, Bama, Georgia in the title. Alabama winning the SEC championship. Would love to hear you guys' thoughts on my picks. And with that being said, of course, SEC Media Days, another big part of it is the coaches. Talking season, all the questions flying around. What do the media boys ask? I wanted to give you guys my top five questions that I would ask Shane Beamer if given the opportunity. And number one is this. When you're looking at South Carolina's offense, and I, I talked before, guys, I talked last week, the lead storyline of not just the offense, but probably of this football team this season is Spencer Rattler. And I'd simply ask Coach Beamer, how has Spencer Rattler's role evolved since getting on campus? And when I say role, I don't mean – starting quarterback. I mean, being a leader of the football team. Like, like, what was the progression of Spencer Rattler as a leader? How has he fit in the locker room? How has he fit in with the guys? Because, you know, by so many people, for whatever reasons, again, he, he had his past at Oklahoma, had his past in Norman, 
but he gets a really bad rap by a lot of people for being selfish, having a bad attitude. I'd love to hear Beamer expand on that. And just what have you seen from Spencer Rattler that makes you feel confident that he will be a great leader for you guys and be nothing but an asset for South and a football. And again, that role, how has it evolved since he got to Columbia? I would love to hear him expand on that point specifically. My second question that I would ask Shane Beamer is this coach Beamer, what do you think the offensive identity will be of this year's team? Of course, Marcus Satterfield's job security is a major point of emphasis going into this season. And just with Spencer Rattler, do you want it to be 60-40 run to pass? Do you want to be 60-40 pass to run? Do you want to be as balanced as possible? You know, we heard Spencer Rattler's comments on the the, the St. Louis Rams, or excuse me, the, the St. Louis Rams throwback, the Los Angeles Rams and Matthew Stafford and how the offense is going to look like that. What does that mean? Like, what exactly does that mean? The pro style, is it going to be pro style? Like, what's the identity of this team going to be? What at least is the goal of the offensive identity, because that is something this team last year lacked so much and had so much trouble finding was their identity. And of course, how can you find an identity when you have four different starting quarterbacks? But what is the goal? What is the offensive identity? What do you want the offensive identity to be of this year's team? Guys, my third question that I would ask Shane Beamer is this. Coach Beamer, do you think this team will be able to handle success? And I speak on that about last year and winning the Duke's Mayo Bowl. And there is no reason, right, for this group to get competent, to get, excuse me, not competent, but to get satisfied, to get to get full of themselves, to read their press clippings and feel like, you know, we've made it. You know, everybody's patting us on the back for beating North Carolina. You know, how do you handle success, right? How do you handle prosperity? The Gamecocks did a great job last year of fighting adversity and bouncing back the right way and playing the right way. And it's not something I worry about with Shane Beamer, but again, these are just things I want to hear him expand on. You had some success late last year. You beat Florida. You beat Auburn. You won the bowl game. Now, how do you parlay that positive momentum and that positive success down the stretch, how do you parlay that into an even bigger season this year and not get too, quote-unquote, comfortable, if that makes sense? The fourth question that I would ask Shane Beamer is this. Coach Beamer, how have you been able to use the transfer portal and NIL to your advantage? I think Beamer and company have done a fantastic job of leveraging the portal, leveraging NIL. Obviously, look at Spencer Rattler and his addition, and he's not the only one. Of course, guys, Antoine Wells, Austin Steiner, Devonnie Reed, Terrell Dawkins, the list goes on and on. I think using tomorrow as an opportunity to continue to hammer that, the transfer portal, NIL, why we support it so much, it is a selling point for the University of South Carolina. With these new times, adapt or die. If you're not utilizing the portal, you're not utilizing what NIL can do for you, you are falling behind. I would love to hear Shane Beamer continue to expand on that, discuss that, talk about that. Maybe he can go into details the things we're doing and what, what type of opportunities we present future recruits. Because, guys, guess what? Prospects, recruits, the guys that are signed right now in the latest class, they're watching SEC Media Days. They're listening to what the coaches are saying. So, again, I would love to hear Beamer expand on that point. I think really sell it, too, to future prospects and recruits of USC. And, guys, my fifth and final question that I asked Shane Beamer, and I mentioned this one last year, and I would ask him yet again is this, my fifth question, Coach Beamer, are we getting new uniforms? Yes or no? Like, are we, are we changing it up? Because, of course, last year, I understand, I understand Coach Beamer and company, they were, they were all busy and, you know, didn't have time to worry about unis, and they just went with the standard must-champ uniforms of 2020. But you got to think Beamer wants to put his own stamp on it, right? You, you got to think Beamer wants to put his fingerprints all over the program, and that includes, guys, the look and the branding. And some of you are probably cringing right now. Some of you may, may be cutting the show off because you're like, oh, my God, here we go again. We're talking uniforms. Guys, your brand and the way you look, hey, look good, feel good, feel good, play good, you play good, they pay good, it matters. I want to know, are we getting new unis? Coach Beamer, speak on the unis. I need to hear it. Let's go back to the traditional stripes on the helmet. Let's go back to a more simplified-looking uniform. I'm just saying, we all want to know, what are we going to be rocking this year? And are we going to wear black, by the way, black tops? We didn't do that last year. We did not wear black tops, really, except for our uh, – 
our 84 black magic throwbacks. Other than that, we didn't wear black a whole lot. So I would ask people about uniforms. Personally, I would love to hear about the uniforms. Um, all right, guys, that's going to do it. I would love to hear from you, your thoughts on SEC Media Days, what you're most looking forward to. What are your picks, by the way, for the East, the West, and your SEC champion? And what questions would you ask Shane Beamer if given the opportunity. Guys, let's go ahead and dive into the 2022 opponent preview series. We begin with that, talking the Gamecocks week one opponent, the Georgia State Panthers. Before we dive into that, though, guys, as football season approaches, I do want to tell you about a great way to make money this season, right? You guys are all gambling. You're betting on lines. You're betting on spreads, over-unders, totals, futures, what have you. Why not prop plays? And why not college football and college sports? Prop plays. Our friends over at Prize Picks allow you to do that. And guys, when you sign up with Prize Picks today and use the promo code TSUS at sign up, you're going to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works you pick two to five players, you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry. It's just you against the projection. Price picks allows mixed sport entries. So, for example, guys, you can take the over on Spencer Rattler passing yards, parlayed with the under on LeBron assists, parlayed with the over on Matt Ryan passing yards. You can play college football, NBA, MLB, hockey, college basketball, all together, right? It's not exclusive to just one sport. And by the way, guys, again, they have college prop plays, which who else has that? It's a huge selling point for prize picks. They also have a slick, easy-to-use mobile app, both in the App Store and Google Play, and they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. Guys, again, let's cash in and break the bookie this football season with our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app, go to prizepicks.com, and when you do, use that promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And again, guys, we appreciate our friends over at Price Picks for their love and support of the Spurs Up Show. Okay, let's go ahead and dive into it, guys, as we begin a brand new series for the 2022 calendar year. Of course, guys, if you followed along before, you've heard us do this before, the opponent preview series. And what it is, guys, I just simply like to go through and break down week by week by week or show by show by show, what have you, the Gamecocks opponents for the upcoming season. Just, just kind of a brief, if you will, to give you and make you familiar with who South Carolina is playing, what the schedule looks like, all that good stuff. Normally, I do this earlier in the summer, but we're going to go ahead and knock it out right now, guys. Over the next four weeks, this is what you can expect. We will go through each and every single opponent, and I will give you just some tidbits, things you need to know about them and keep you guys or give you a, 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 a refresher, if you will, on who we play and just what they bring to the table each and every single game this season. Of course, guys, the Gamecocks game against Georgia State, it is the season opener, September the 3rd at Williams-Brice Stadium under the lights, a 7.30 kickoff. The all-time series record, these two teams have never met, have never met on the gridiron. Of course, Georgia State a season ago went 8-5, and 6-2 and two in conference play, and they were the Carmella Bowl Champions had a fantastic season. We'll dive more into their season last season in just a second. Of course, their head coach, a man we are all very familiar with, Sean Elliott, in his sixth year, coming into his sixth year at Georgia State, he is 30 and 30. And what he's done with this program has been absolutely incredible, taking over when they really just started, right? They just started the Georgia State program. He gets the opportunity there, won bowl games, done a fantastic job, and turned Georgia State into a legitimate threat. Also, guys, they've done a great job of beating SEC teams and competing against big boys. Who can forget a couple years ago, they beat Tennessee and Neyland. Last year, they took Auburn to the wire, only lost to them by 10. So they have done a really, really good job of building the program, adding in quality players and going up against some of the big boys in the SEC and playing really, really good football in doing so. Now, how did they fare a season ago? Let's go through this 2021 schedule and give you an idea just how they got to that eight and five and six and two in conference play mark and won the Carmelo Bowl. They lost their first two games of the season against Army and North Carolina before picking up their first win in week three against Charlotte. They then lost that game that I mentioned against Auburn, 34 to 24. And you could argue they probably should have won that game. They didn't lose to Appalachian State the next week, 45 to 16. So Georgia State had a really tough start in to the 2021 season. They started just one and four, but picked up three straight wins after beating ULM, 
Texas State and Georgia Southern. They then lost to Louisiana in a close one, 21 to 17, before closing out the regular season with three straight victories. Now, beat Coastal Carolina in an all time classic, 42 to 40, beat Arkansas State, 28 to 20, and then beat Troy in their season finale to notch their seventh win, 37 to 10, before beating Ball State in the Camellia Bowl, 51 to 20, to cap off an eight win season in year five of Sean Elliott. So again, a really, really good season for them. And how do they do it on the ground? And when we talk their best returning player on offense, you got to look to that ground game, their senior running back, Tucker Gregg. And you look at what he did last year, 192 carries, 953 yards and nine touchdowns. This dude was an absolute machine. He was dynamic. And guys, again, he was part of a backfield that rushed for 226.4 yards per game, eighth nationally. Obviously, that will be a huge matchup. We know Sean Elliott is a line-of-scrimmage guy, of course, serving as the O-line coach in Columbia. So that will be a game in which Georgia State is going to try to come out and punch South Ghana in the mouth and try to establish the run game and run the football, and the Gamecocks better be ready for it. When you look at the, the Georgia State Panthers defensively, their best returning player, on defense, you got to go again to the veteran linebacker Jordan Venezale, a senior, 97 tackles and eight tackles for loss a season ago. And he is part of a really, really good linebacker trio of Venezale, Carroll, and Crawford. All three of those guys are seniors. So again, it was a mixed bag for Georgia State last year defensively, but they feel confident on that side with seven returning starters. And guys, with the overall outlook, let's dive into that. Overall, they do have 15 starters returning, eight on offense and seven on defense, as I mentioned. So a lot of experience. And I think Georgia State's probably another school that really benefited from the COVID stuff, the COVID year in the sense of guys coming back because it's teams like Georgia State that you can have really, really good football players, but a lot of them aren't draft guys. They're not at least high draft guys. So it's like, why not go back to school and enjoy one more year and enjoy your last year on campus? So that's the case with Georgia State. 15 starters return. Again, I mentioned, guys, that potent running game. 226 yards per game last season, eighth nationally. That will be a huge, huge matchup in this ball game. The line of scrimmage against Sean Elliott will have a good game plan, both offensively and defensively. And you know he's going to show it to Willie B wanting to out-physical the Gamecocks. And, of course, South Carolina could not stop the run to save their lives a season ago. And it wasn't just big-time SEC teams. It was everybody they had struggles against. So do not sleep on that Georgia State running game. It should be potent yet again this season. Uh, of course, guys, one of the big storylines, if not the big storyline of this football game, is the return of Sean Elliott, former South Carolina offensive line coach and, of course, served as the interim head coach at the end of the 2015 season after Steve Spurrier's resignation. Of course, we had Coach Elliott on the show. Absolutely awesome dude. A really high-quality football coach. And he will have the Gamecocks – or, excuse me, he will have Georgia State ready to take on the Gamecocks. And if you don't think that Sean Elliott does not have a chip on his shoulder coming back to Willie B after the way things ended – I, I think you are sadly mistaken. So Sean Elliott will have his team ready to go. He'll be ready to go. Also, guys, you look at the Georgia State roster, there's a name that sticks out to you, right? I mentioned that run game, 226 yards per game last year. They had a two-headed monster, right, at the running back position. Tucker Gregg, 953 yards and nine touchdowns. How about Jemias Williams, the former Gamecocks defensive back playing running back for Georgia State, 859 yards and nine touchdowns for him a season ago. You know he'll be fired up to get back in the friendly confines of Willie B. Uh, also on the Gamecock side of the big storyline, Jordan Strong will be taking on his old team. Uh, I think it'll be really cool to see all these former players go up against each other and just see who gets the better of one another. Uh, of course, guys, also another big storyline, Spencer Rattler's debut. And we ran the poll. I asked you guys, what's the biggest storyline of week one? Spencer Rattler's debut without a doubt. I think it was like 90% was the number one choice out of a 1,000 votes. All eyes are on South Carolina because of number seven and what he does under center. How does QB1 fare? And how does the offense look, I think, in week one? And how do they get off to the start to this season? Going to be really interesting to see. And then finally, guys, when I look at this game, when I look at this game, I, I think one of the, the questions that, because I, I know everybody's so excited, you add all the, all the pieces that South Carolina did over the course of the offseason and through the transfer portal and the momentum sky high, you beat UNC in your bowl game. And 
But I asked this question, and maybe it's a little extreme to say this, but should South Carolina be on upset alert? Because we've seen Georgia State, right? We've seen Georgia State go into SEC venues and play really well. I mean, a couple of years ago, they went into Neyland Stadium and took down Tennessee, and we've seen the Vegas line in this game, right? South Carolina's only an 11-point favorite. Vegas does not think this will be a blowout, right? Vegas is expecting a close ball game. So upset alert might be a little bit extreme, but this is a much different animal than what we saw last year when the Gamecocks opened up with, with EIU and, and it was just a, a breeze of a game, 46 to nothing. EIU didn't belong in the same field as South Carolina. This is a legitimate opponent. And the Gamecocks, hey, we expect them to win. They should win. I've picked them to win. But you mess around and you don't play fundamentally sound football and you turn the football over, and all of a sudden, you're going to look up, and it's going to be a one-score game in the fourth quarter. And that is the absolute last thing that you want to happen. So maybe upset alert's a little bit extreme. Maybe upset alert's a little bit harsh, but beware if you are South Carolina because Georgia State is going to give it their all, and I think they're going to throw punches and swing early. It's up to the Gamecocks to withstand that play good football, let their talent shine. They do that, they'll be fine. But this is an intriguing game and one that I think you look at and say, hey, there's going to be some uncomfortable moments, especially early. Will Carolina weather the storm and just get to victory somehow, some way? So a really intriguing game in week one for the Gamecocks. So many incredible storylines. A night game at Willie B to boot to open it up, and it should be a ton of fun. So again, guys, that is our breakdown of the Georgia State Panthers. We'd love to hear your comments on that. What are you most looking forward to from the season opener? Should be a lot of fun under the lights at Williams-Brice Stadium. Again, 47 days until toe meets leather at Williams-Brice Stadium. Guys, before we get out of here, just a couple of quick listener questions, and then we'll wrap this thing up. We got one on Twitter. Cool J Spurs Up says, man, I know Sean Elliott will have his guys ready to play against his previous team. He coached the South kind of Gamecocks, but no matter what, our Gamecocks will come out on top and we'll get the W, but it's going to be a good game in week one that we better not overlook. He even tagged Coach Beamer just to let him know that, hey, Coach, don't overlook the ball game. Nick Babb on Facebook says, it's, is it better this game is a 7.30 kickoff than a noon kickoff, given how tough Georgia State has played SEC teams under Sean Elliott? I, I mean, I, I think that – I think it's great for the fans that it's a night game. I think it's cool that the LED lights will be, on, you know, on full display in week one. Does it matter for the outcome of the football game? I, I don't know that it really does much matter for the outcome of this game. I think it matters more for the fans. But, you know, you make a good point, Nick, that Georgia State has played SEC team stuff. So maybe it does help South Carolina that, you know, the fans will be good and liquored up and they'll be fired up and ready to go. And we're not playing them at a noon. When I, you know, I, I don't know how in week one you could come out sluggish or flat or, or, or overlooking an opponent. Like, it's literally the first week of the season. Everybody wants to play their best, right? Everybody's fired up on opening day. So um, I, I don't know that time of day, time of kickoff really matters for this ball game. Uh, it is great for fans, but you never know. Maybe it will help South Carolina having their crowd, a night crowd behind them in this one. A uh, couple more questions, guys, and we'll wrap it up. Blood underscore Faya says, do you think we'll have any impact freshmen in the first game? Uh, I, I could see Stone Blanton at linebacker making an impact. I could see some of the young freshman defensive backs making an impact. Other than that, I, I don't know that you will. I think the freshman impact players will come on the defensive side. I do not think on the offensive side you will see many freshmen play, if any, at all. Um, Craze Pigo says, no matter how bad Carolina beats Georgia State, we can't let it get to our heads. And I don't think you will. Guys, it doesn't matter if you win 50 to nothing in week one. You got Arkansas and Georgia following, right? It will get real either way. But I will say this, and I pose the question again. What margin of victory do the Gamecocks need to win by for you to feel confident moving forward throughout the rest of the season? I mean, you go out there and beat a solid Georgia State team by 24 points, 28 points. I'm feeling pretty good coming out of week one. Now, again, that doesn't mean you're going nine and three. doesn't even mean you're going eight and four, but you do that. I think that shows a lot of promise moving forward, and you're going to have a lot of confidence going into week two at Fayetteville against Arkansas. Um, P. Diddy 9447 says, why has Carolina been so underrated in all these preseason rankings? And I don't know if you're referring to my guy pick six previews having South going to rank 36. Guys, 
here's a spoiler. I would not have the Gamecocks ranked in the preseason top 25 either. Um, I, I think South Carolina, yes, they added a lot, but it's like there's still so many questions. You got an opportunity to prove it early. You got Arkansas week two. Go beat the Hogs. You're a top 25 team. I still right now with the questions would not put South Carolina in the preseason top 25 because there still are a lot of questions. There are a lot of questions. You take care of your business, right, by week five, six, you are ranked. No question, you are ranked. I still think it's a bit aggressive to put them in that preseason top 25. So I I don't really have any problems with the preseason rankings. I, I think Phil Steele's rankings, I love Phil, but I think his rankings were kind of bogus, whatever. But, you know, 36, what my guy Brett Siancia had, I was totally fine with that. I think that's a very fair pick. That's a very fair ranking. And I'd probably have South Carolina around 35th to 40th also. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, the Veal or T Heel K Mister says, Will Georgia State score more than 21 points? I think the answer is no. And if you look at my preseason predictions, I don't have them pulled up in front of me, but I think I had the score. 34 to 14. Yeah, I think it was 34 to 14. So, no, I, I think South Carolina's defense will play well in the game. I think they will hold Georgia State under 21. Tanner Garrett, 12, says facts. We will win with a score of 42 to 3. Tanner, from your lips to God's ears, my guy, I will sign up for that right now. Uh, no half step. Final question or final statement says they got a good freshman running back from Columbia. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Casey Adams. Right, Casey Adams, uh, the kid from Gray Collegiate, is on that roster. So maybe he plays in the ball game. Who knows? Maybe he makes an impact for him. You never know. Uh, guys, that's going to do it all for me. Appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so, so much for the continued love and support. Let's have us one hell of a week, by the way, with SEC Media Days. So pumped for the week. Stay tuned, guys, to all of the content, content bleeding out of the eyeballs this week as we cover SEC Media Days from Atlanta, Georgia. Cannot wait for things to really get rocking and really get rolling tomorrow with Shane Beamer and company taking the podium. Guys, again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Appreciate y'all. Y'all have a great rest of your Monday, and we will talk to you on Wednesday. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamins. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.